John chapter 14. We're continuing our series. We've used the Apostles' Creed to guide us through the Scriptures. We've said many times the Apostles' Creed is not the Scriptures. The Apostles' Creed has been used, though, by by the body of Christ for about 1,500 years to clarify doctrine. What's true? What is essential? Are there freedoms? Are there disagreements beyond this that we can tolerate? Yes, many. However, there are some specifics here that um, the whole body of Christ, to be Christian, is to believe these things. So we'll read the creed together at the close of our service. But I'm going to go to the third portion of the creed where it begins, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So that's the only line where the Holy Spirit is, well, that's not the only line where he's explicitly mentioned. But it's the first time we really get into who he is. And as you look at the creed, you see the the Trinity is laid out. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And then the whole heart of the creed is mostly about Jesus there. And then we get into, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who isn't the Holy Spirit? What is his work? What is his ministry? What does he do? We'll, we'll start by saying who he isn't. The Holy Spirit is not a force. Like Star, Star Wars, he's not just this ethereal thing. He's not some kind of vapor trail that Jesus leaves behind. The Holy Spirit is not a spiritual residue. The Holy Spirit is not an atmosphere. The Holy Spirit is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. When we say he's a person, it doesn't mean that he's a human. But to say that he's a person means he has a personality. He has a distinct will. The Holy Spirit has a desire. The Holy Spirit is a person like the Father is a person, like the Son is a person. The Holy Spirit has personality. He has a mind, will, and emotions. He thinks, he knows, he can be grieved. He can also be pleased. So the Holy Spirit is distinct in that he has his own personality. Also, of course, he is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is part of the Godhead. He is God co-equal, God co-eternal with the Father and with the Son. How do we know this? So what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to run you to a million different verses to say, let me prove he's God, let me prove he has personality, let me prove this. Some of these things I'm just going to show you really briefly while I'm still establishing this core foundational doctrine. But go to, I told, I won't make you go there for time's sake. You're going to stay in John chapter 14. Uh, But in Acts chapter 5, we have an example here where um, the apostles, the church is growing, everybody's rejoicing, and out of their own overflow of their own hearts, out of the direction of the Holy Spirit, people are selling property, and they're bringing all the money to the church elders, and they're saying, hey, whatever the, whatever the church needs, just spread it around, I'm good. Well, a couple chose to do that as well, but they did it in a deceptive way. They claimed that they had sold, that they sold it, and they said, here's all the money from the sale of our property. But they lied. It wasn't all the money from the sale of their property. They didn't have to give any money. That was the point. They didn't have to do anything, but they did something and then said, hey, we're doing it too. We're just, we're doing what everybody else is doing. So, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? So how did Peter know that? The Holy Spirit told him. Okay, so one of the gifts of the Spirit was in operation. Which one? I don't know. I don't care. But the Holy Spirit was moving and operating to say, Hey, Peter, here's what's really going on here. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Hey, you had freedom to do whatever you wanted to here. 
Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. He said you lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. Same person. To lie to the Holy Spirit is to lie to God. Psalm 139, verses 7 and 8, what we read earlier. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. Is he, is he the Father? Well, he is one with the Father. Is he Jesus? Well, he's one with Jesus, and yet he's still distinct. Well, Jermichael, you're not explaining it good enough. I, I won't be able to satisfy your intellect. On that, you can trust me today. But you can still believe in the Holy Spirit, and you can still boldly and joyfully say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not afraid of him. The Holy Spirit is not spooky. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I've seen some weird people and some spooky people. Me too. But they are not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not spooky. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Could he direct you to do something that others perceive to be weird? I don't know. What do you think? Would you think it would be weird if somebody spat in the mud and rubbed it in somebody's eyes? Oh, well, that's different. Okay, well, I think it's kind of weird. But, I mean, you don't because you're super holy and stuff, but I think that'd be a little weird. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Was it wrong? Of course not. But Jesus says he only did what he saw his father doing. So uh, the problem there, though, is with our, with our background, with my background, Pentecostal, unashamedly, unapologetically, very biblically, uh, I, I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen all kinds of things, but I, I have to filter everything through the Word of God. And a lot of times there's fear and misunderstanding around the, the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times what I find people reject is the excesses that they've seen. Yes. To which I would say, brother or sister, me too. Yes. I reject excess. Now, how do you know when was and what shouldn't and how far? Like, the Lord will sort it out. Yeah. The King will sort out his people. That's for sure. I take comfort in that. So in the meantime, I'm going, I don't know, was that the Lord or was that the flesh? Well, was it sinful? Well, no, but I don't think it was. You know what? If, if I have concern, I can speak to brothers and sisters about those things, but I don't need to put the Holy Spirit out of my life in such a way. It's like I really don't want anything to do with him because he might you know, make me do something crazy. The Holy Spirit doesn't possess his people in the same way that a demon would attempt to possess someone and control their physical body. The Holy Spirit will fill his people, though. He will fill his people. And when he fills you, what are you going to do? You're going to glorify Jesus. You're going to be glorified. You're going to be glorifying Jesus. You're going to be free. You're going to be bold. You're going to be clear. So now you're in John 14. Once again, I'm not. I'll catch up with you. John 14, verse 15. What do we want to know about the Holy Spirit? Well, let's ask Jesus specifically what we can know about the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, if you love me, Jesus is talking, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you. I said that earlier. So he's talking to his disciples. The Holy Spirit dwells with you is what Jesus is telling his disciples but he's going to be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. The world's not going to see Jesus anymore, but the disciples are still going to see Jesus. 
But he leaves. How are they going to see Jesus? Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. How does Jesus manifest himself to his church? Through his presence, through the Holy Spirit. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you that while, while I am still with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Look at the Trinity working together here. The Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. What is the Holy Spirit supposed to do in the life of the believer? Us Pentecostals, sometimes we just go, he does the tongues. He tongues is you. That's that's it. That's his role. That's his ministry. The Holy Spirit is tongues. Well, the Holy Spirit is not tongues. Um. The Holy Spirit fills his people. That's the primary focus of, of well, well, we'll get to that in a moment. There's, there's multiple ministries of the Holy Spirit. But if, if we're going to go just on the, uh, on the charismatic side of things for a moment, the Holy Spirit, yes, will fill his people. And when he fills his people, something happens. They're going to glorify the Lord. That might be through prophecy. That might be through their boldness. Uh, that might be through speaking in tongues, which also glorifies the Lord. But the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit has come to teach us all things and to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What does the Holy Spirit want to do? He wants to glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to remind you, to actually bring back to your brain, literally to your mind, to your heart and to your mind, what Jesus has taught, what Jesus has said. Peace I leave with you. So the Holy Spirit brings peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So now what does the Holy Spirit do? Jesus calls him our helper. That word helper means he is our counselor, he is our encourager, he is our comforter, he is our intercessor. Just like Jesus intercedes for us, the Bible says the Holy Spirit also intercedes for us. So that means he's a stand-between, he is a go-between. He is pleading for our case on our behalf. This is what happens when a spirit-filled saint is praying in tongues. My mind is unfruitful, but yet my spirit speaks mysteries. And I'm building myself up higher and higher in the spirit like an edifice. How so? Well, it's a submission. It's a humility to the Holy Spirit. He's actually getting stuff done. He's really the one making things happen. So Jesus says he is our helper. Do you need a counselor? You have one. Pastor Ken calls the Holy Spirit. Pastor Ken is my pastor. He calls the Holy Spirit our senior partner is one of the names he has for him, our encourager, our comforter, our intercessor. This is his role in the Godhead and how he works in our lives. We see that the Father sends the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. He makes decisions on which gifts to give and on whom to put those gifts on and in. He is the wisdom of God, and he makes decisions. He's thinking. He chooses. He decides. He's pleased. He's displeased. He is grieved. When he's grieved, he doesn't turn his back on us. And yet you can still sense 
the presence of the Lord being displeased in your life? Or am I the only person who's ever sensed the displeasure of the Holy Spirit? We call this conviction. I'm convicted of my sin. The Holy Spirit's going, that's not me. And that doesn't please Jesus. And that doesn't please the Father. And that's not who you are anymore. I'm going, oh, what am I going to do with that? I should repent. That's the, what the Christian life is marked by. It's marked by repentance. What, is the, what else is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Well, the first ministry of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is actually he brings the revelation of Jesus. He brings the clarity in our need. So as the word of God is delivered, the Holy Spirit with it brings the faith so that I can actually believe. I've heard the gospel and now I go, I'm truly aware. That's a miracle in itself. That is a gift of God from the Holy Spirit. And then in the next moment, now whenever I have put faith in, it's by God's grace I've been saved through faith. So now I've believed and repented. The Holy Spirit actually does the regeneration. The greatest miracle ever is where I have become born again. I was dead and now I'm alive. We say Jesus saved me and that's accurate. But the Holy Spirit is the one who actually does the work in a person's heart. God is pleased to minister and serve us this way. The Holy Spirit is the one who regenerates us. Jesus said, you must be born again. You're born out of the flesh the first time. You came out of your mom the first time. But this next time, you need to be born out of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who does that born again miracle in us. He is the one who actually resurrects and regenerates us. The Holy Spirit seals us, the scripture tells us. He seals us at our new birth. And then... He fills his church with himself. He supplies us with power and boldness to be witnesses for Jesus. So Jesus breathed on his disciples, received the Holy Spirit. I think that's when they were born again. But secondarily, he says, hey, you believe in me, you trust me. I've been resurrected. The way to the Father is now open. You're saved. And yet power is still coming. It wasn't only for them because the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent yet and he'd been sent 10 days later. Even after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the day of Pentecost, we see disciples of Jesus loving and following the Lord, born again people who then experience a secondary event in their life where they go, oh, now we're actually filled with the Holy Spirit. Our salvation is based on the Father's power and love, the Son's death and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit's regeneration and his seal. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God who is with us in the earth. You're like, but it feels like Jesus. Yeah, I know, because he's, he's one God. It feels like, I just feel the comfort of the Father with me right now. I know you do, because that's exactly who, who the Holy Spirit glorifies and reveals to us. So it, it's not wrong, and you don't need to nitpick yourself. Uh, but we do see the biblical normative way to pray is to the Father. Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. Throughout the scriptures, when Paul is praying for churches, he says, I bend my knee to the glorious Father. And yet, would it be wrong for you to say, Jesus, I love you? Don't pray to Jesus. Would it be wrong to say, Holy Spirit, I love you. Fill me today and lead me today. No, it wouldn't. And yet, we still see the, the biblical normative is we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus And who is helping us to pray? Who's present inside of us and with us? It is the Holy Spirit. You should rejoice at the goodness of God, all of who he is. We're not, as a a denomination, well, I guess we're not a denomination, we're non-denominational. But (laughs) as a Pentecostal people, we have a reputation of, we're just the Holy Ghost people. We're the God people. We love God. 
The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We want to glorify God the Father, understand his, his role, his ministry, his function in the Godhead. We want to do the same with King Jesus. We want to do the same with the Holy Spirit it to, in, in the way that the Scripture reveals to us. Back in verse 17, still of chapter 14 of John here, he says, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus says that you know him. He's saying this to his disciples even before the Holy Spirit has been poured out in a more full way. We know the Holy Spirit was already present on the earth. We know that. The scripture reveals that throughout the Old Testament. And yet there was something distinct and clear and unique that happened on the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Captain Obvious here to, here to preach a sermon to you. So that was, that was evident. But the Holy Spirit wasn't in them. But he would be. No longer does the Holy Spirit just rest upon his people, but he personally fills them. And this is why Jesus said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go. I'm with you, but he is going to be in you. And that's even better than what we have now. That was hard for the disciples to believe. Really? Jesus, how does it get any better than being with him? And he says, it's better. Jesus said it. So if you won't take it from anybody, take it from Jesus. Jesus said, it's better that I leave you. That's impossible. No, Jesus, there's no, there's no universe where it's better that you leave me. And he says, no, it's better that I leave you. I, I get, I'm physically present with you in a way that you're accustomed to. But the Holy Spirit's going to fill you and be in you. So this is how Jesus could actually say, I'm leaving, but I will be with you always. How? Through my presence. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. So well, Jesus is with me. Yes, he is. The Father is with me. Yes, he is. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Every single Christian has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Every single Christian, and yet we still want to be filled. So we are born again. The presence of God lives in us. He lives with us. And yet there is still a filling. There is still a swelling. There is still a glorifying to a greater degree and to a greater measure that we can enjoy. Go to verse 25. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What a gift, what a joy, what a blessing. The Holy Spirit brings the Lord to our remembrance. So you might think to yourself, man, I, I really need to think more about God. No, what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because as long as you're thinking, I oughta, I need to, you're still thinking, about what I must do, and there's certainly a place for discipline in the Christian life. However, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is the gift of God, where you're not just having to say, all right, what do I have to do today? Brush my teeth, think about God, uh, pray. But instead, when you're filled with God, Jesus will be glorified. Jesus will be on your mind. When the Holy Spirit is inside of you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't have to go, man, I really, I really ought to be better, I ought to do better. That is an empty Christian who talks that way. Are you shaming them? Not at all. I've been that empty Christian. I've been that empty Christian many times in my Christian walk where I'm going, I'm drained. I'm depleted. Why? I haven't been in fellowship with him. I haven't been poured into. I haven't been seeking his fullness. But when I seek his fullness, I'm not thinking about what I oughta. I'm thinking the, the automatic fuel is in me. 
The desire is already there. The Holy Spirit guides my desires. Without me even consciously thinking, I'm going to Christian up today. No, instead the Holy Spirit's going, this is who you are. And I'm going, man, I'm, I'm being carried. It's called grace. This is the grace of God where the Holy Spirit is actually doing work. Continuing to change my desires, continuing to give me new thoughts, to, to give me new hopes, to give me new conviction. Where I'm going, whoa, I feel different about that today than I did yesterday. Why? Because I'm, full, I'm more full of him than I was. Jesus said, sorry, wrong spot. So like I said, what you need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he fills you with more of himself, which is to be filled with more of God. And he will keep Jesus on your mind a page over in, in chapter 16. I'm going quick. Sherry said I've only got five minutes left. John chapter 16, verse 12. So this is this whole discourse. Like We, we haven't departed Jesus uh, talking to and comforting his disciples throughout these past couple chapters. But in verse, um, in verse 12 of chapter 16, he says... I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, so Jesus says, I'm still going to keep talking to you, but you can't, you can't deal with it all now, but I'm going to keep talking to you. How? Well, because the Holy Spirit will be with you, and he's going to communicate me. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Interesting. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak on his own authority. He has a desire that's perfectly unified with the Father and with the Son. But he speaks on a different authority. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Throughout the Gospels, as you see Jesus talk and teach, you see the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Man, who, where do they end and where do they begin Clearly distinct, clearly one, clearly perfectly unified in love. He will keep Jesus on your mind. And the scripture also tells us that it's the Holy Spirit who searches the depths of God. The Holy Spirit searches the depths of God, the word of God tells us. And he reveals the depths of God to his people. So we see his ministry is personal. He's direct. He's with us. He's clear. He glorifies Jesus. We'll close in Acts chapter 19. When we say we believe in something... Like we said multiple times as we've gone through the series, to say I believe in is not to say, yeah, I already know that. That is the danger for Americans. That is the danger for anybody who's had familiarity with the scriptures. That's the danger for anyone in here who's like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, man, I know. I know you know. I know too. That doesn't save us. That doesn't comfort us. That doesn't help us. That doesn't equip us with power. The devil knows everything about the Lord that's been revealed by God. And is it helping him? It's not serving him well. So to know things doesn't accomplish things. And this is the danger, especially for us Southern American Christians, you know, who tip our hat to the man upstairs. 
It's a very dangerous perspective whenever we think, I know that. I already know that. We're not talking about knowing things. We're talking about believing things. And when you believe something, it will change the way you live. So if I believe in something, it affects my Sunday morning, right? I come to church even though it's hot, even though it's raining. But when I just know something, I go, I stayed out late last night. There's a million examples where we would apply this to our lives. The way I treat my wife is different because I believe that he's coming to judge the living and the dead. Because I believe in the forgiveness of sins. You know, because I believe in the life everlasting. All these things, they show up in a very practical way. So how is the Holy Spirit practical? Not that he has to be. He could be whatever he wants. But he is who he is. But to believe in the Holy Spirit is to fellowship with him. Mm-hmm. is to understand him. And is to love him more. It's to love God more. To know him and to believe in him is to welcome him, to fellowship with him. And like we read, like David prayed in in Psalm 139, is to say, Lord, search me. Know me. I want what you want because I know what you want is best. So here in Acts chapter 19, we have some disciples. It's not clear whether or not they're born again yet. I don't think they are. Somebody could argue with me on that, and that, that would be okay. But we'll read in, um, in chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then, and and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. So like I said earlier, this is the the normative case throughout the book of Acts, whenever you see someone was filled with the Holy Spirit, something happens right away. Um, they're, they're filled, they're speaking, and what are they doing? Well, they're glorifying God. Uh, what was their prophecy? Well, it wasn't recorded, but it might have been specific. It might have been unique for them in that moment. It wasn't Scripture. It was not Scripture. It was not canon. Just like if you were to have a word from the Holy Spirit, it does not necessarily become canon. So this is an argument that's often made against the gifts that I find totally nonsensical and completely bad faith as an argument to, to be able to say, I got this sense that I'm supposed to go tell Don today, hey man, I just want you to know it seems like the Lord is telling me that Jesus loves you. What are you, what are you, what are you trying to say, John Michael? That the Holy Spirit still speaking? Oh yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. As opposed to going, hey Don, here's a Bible. God's word is in there. Like, it, it seems to be such an absurdity, but the, the accusations that, that is made against uh, continuationists, as we're often called, because we believe that the gifts didn't stop because the scripture didn't tell us that they did. Um, because we believe that, the argument made against us is that anytime a gift of the Spirit is in operation, we must therefore also be claiming that this is canon and that it should become a part of the sacred scriptures. Now, it can never contradict the word of God. That would be an absolute impossibility and heretical. However, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit continues, and he can communicate a particular thing to a particular person without the whole world having to hear it and without everyone having to walk in obedience to it. The Holy Spirit could very specifically say, hey, you know what? 
I need to, I need to share something with you. The Lord has revealed to me, I think, I could be wrong, because I'm involved in this thing. I don't think you're supposed to buy that house. Do with that what you will. Does that become canon for the whole world? No, it doesn't even make sense for the whole world. Um, but the Lord could do whatever he wants to do. You could walk into 7-Eleven, and you could go in there to grab your Gatorade this week, and you could look at that person at the counter, and the Holy Spirit might say, I want you to tell them that I love them, I know them, and I see them. And you go, is that canon? Well, is it true? Does God love them? Does he know them? Does he see them? Do you think the enemy wants to communicate this? Do you think this could potentially be a ministry opportunity that the Lord might want to open up? The Lord can go much farther than that. Again, he's not interested in being spooky, and you don't need to add theatrics to anything that you would ever do as you minister to people. But you can communicate the goodness of God, the glory of God, the holiness of God, and the simplicity of God. And you should expect God to move and God to show up because God is present. The Holy Spirit is present on the earth to convict people, to reveal their sin to them, and to glorify Jesus. So if they're not born again, the Holy Spirit wants to say, I want to show you Jesus. And he might do that first by communicating his goodness, by overwhelming them with his good presence and his kindness, where they just recognize, I'm being hugged by God. And I, I don't have any other language for it other than the Lord is near in this moment. And it's in that moment, Saint, where you get to tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom of God has come near you. How? Well, because God is near you. Not because of me, but because the Holy Spirit. He loves you. Who's the Holy Spirit? He is God. He is glorifying Jesus. We believe in him, and we want to be filled with him. We're not ashamed of him. We're not afraid of him. We want to understand his ministry. He's the one who seals us. He's the one who, who does the work of redemption in our hearts. And then he says, church, let me fill you. Let me fill you with power for work of the ministry. Go into all the world. All right, we're going. No, no, no. Actually, don't yet until you're filled with power from on high. Power of the Holy Spirit. What's it going to make? What's going to happen? You're going to love the Lord even more. You'll be equipped for ministry and you'll be bold as a witness for Jesus. To testify to what Jesus has done in your life. You're not pursuing any particular thing other than the will of God for your life. And as you're submitted to him, sure, whatever he wants is what you want. Because that's who we love. If you have a copy of the Creed, get it out. If you don't have one, you could Google it real quick. Let's stand together. As we read the Creed together, let's say it heartily, joyfully. Boldly, loudly. Here we go. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you great peace. In Jesus' name.
Amen.